are not good, chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. It is cut down day as we trade day record. It is turning into trade day. Trade day yesterday. No, that's all you got. Oh, I thought you were going to say trade day today. I just wanted to cut off your open. Yep. Good job. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Uh, we're going to actually veer in a different direction today, though, because we still wanted to get you an episode this morning, and um, we will talk about this Dan Feeney trade here briefly. Uh, but the dust is going to look a lot's going to change here in the next 48 hours. The roster that comes out later today, as we record on Tuesday morning, is going to be way different 24 hours now on Wednesday after the claims all happen. So we're going to reconvene on Thursday morning and stick to our regular schedule. And as the dust settles there, we'll, we'll break it all down for you. Um, today's episode we've been planning and, and, um, definitely want to get this out for you before week one, but we got to dive into the division at some point. We've been talking bears, 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 bears. And yet, uh, there's three other teams in this wide open NFC North. And I think this division is perhaps actually a little underrated in the grand scheme of things and is going to be very, very interesting. So we're going to, we're going to break it all down for you here. I'm interested to see if those we're about to have on this podcast, think it's as wide open as we think it is. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. We're going to ask them all who they think is going to win the North. Um, I, I think there is a scenario where each team's beat writer picks their own team. That's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, Alec Lewis, who covers the Vikings, will be here. Matt Schneiman, our friend from the Packers, will be here. Um, and then Colton Pouncey, who covers the Lions, will be here as well. We'll go one, two, three through the division. But before before we jump into all that, John, there was a trade last night. Dan Feeney, uh, Sandberg, kid from the... So Another must, local guy, man. You must love the trade. It's a it's I an Adam Johns approved I, Chicago guy. I think I still guy. have his phone number because I did a story on him coming out of that draft, whatever year that was. I think seventeen. And he seventeen. Was, okay. IU kid, uh, Indiana drafted by the Chargers, and um, spent four years there, I believe. Then went to the Jets, and then spent. This offseason with the Dolphins, he just signed with the Dolphins in March, and apparently they weren't planning on keeping him, so they trade him for what looks like a six-round pick, which is interesting. They gave him $3 million, $2 million signing bonus, so the Bears are going to be on the hook for a million here. They give up a six-round pick. The Dolphins' offensive line isn't exactly great, and they were willing to get rid of him despite paying him, you know, eating $2 million, essentially, that part's not exactly, um, I don't know what's the right word, reassuring? 
However, you got if 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 you're the Bears and you're not feeling great about your offensive line and your health right now, you got to find somebody you can pretty much plug and play here in a week and a half. And the thing about Feeney's last two stops, Mike LaFleur in New York with the Jets, Shanahan guy, Mike McDaniel in Miami here the last, you know, five months or so, four months, whatever it's been, also Shanahan guy. So the scheme here, he should be able to come in with Chris Morgan, Luke Getze, and hit the ground running and potentially be a guy who, if they need him to play week one, can. Like your initial reaction is, oh boy, what does this mean for Tevin Jenkins? Because we haven't seen much of him when the media did see him. He had a walking boot on his right foot. It was his right foot. So we know it's week to week. We know it's serious. So that's like your initial reaction. That Tevin Jenkins injury, like Dan Feeney here is here to help make up for it. I think you and I both had a different reaction. Yes. Like this is a younger version of Lucas Patrick. Yes. Is it not? Like I mean, the Bears haven't put maybe Tevin Jenkins later today or tomorrow is on IR. I think he can't go on to tomorrow, right? It'll be tomorrow. Yeah. He'll be on the 53 today. But yes, maybe this means he's going on IR for four weeks starting tomorrow. But Lucas Patrick also hasn't played a whole bunch either. Yeah. For a guy they brought in here last year to be this culture changer from, from Green Bay, he's barely played. When he has played, he's been bad. He's been bad. So, like, my initial reaction was Tevin Jenkins. Second reaction, oh, this is interesting for Lucas Patrick as well, who hasn't played a lot during camp. Yeah, maybe Lucas Patrick is one of the cuts today after this trade. Um, it's very interesting. But um, I keep coming back to, just regardless of who we're talking about specifically here, the fact that this is still an issue is... Somewhat disappointing. When you, when you, we talked about all this the whole offseason and how Justin Fields needs the help. Now, they did get him a right tackle and they did get him a really good wide receiver, but that interior of the O line and some of it's injury based, but you knew it could be injury based. I, I mean, I remember when they signed Nate Davis and then it was like, well, Lucas Patrick and Tevin Jenkins. And it's like, well, okay, but those guys have struggled to stay healthy. Yeah, well, I've said it on the show. If you're talking about Lucas Patrick and Alex Leatherwood being your potential backups, like I'm okay with that. But now Alex Leatherwood, he's gone, and the Bears just ate that money. That experiment is over. Is over. What was your reaction to that? One of the yeah. first cuts, too. I mean, they gave I never so many opportunities. Sorry, I, I keep talking. Yeah, I, I I never really liked the move to begin with. I just. Anytime a team gives up on a first-round pick that fast, I just feel like the chances of it working out somewhere else is just not very high. But I understood why the Bears took the flyer. It was an expensive flyer. You're eating $4 million a year, but they have the money, the cap space. It's not going to hurt them if they were, they were in position to do it. I was just never really that optimistic about it. And I do appreciate that they're willing to cut ties and not, you know, let guys linger just because of the money. Same thing with PJ Walker. Didn't work. See you later. And that's sort of what I, why I'm wondering back to Lucas Patrick if they're just like at this point, like, thanks, buddy. It's just not working. 
we love your we love your character. We love you know your presence on the team. But if you can't play, you can't play. Yeah, yeah. We saw it. I was getting text messages from some friends around the league about that, and there was some shock considering the contract, considering that PJ Walker has had some success. Like he's made plays in this league, right? Let's not forget the the bomb to DJ Moore. Like he's had some successful moments in the NFL. But my response to like all of them was Agent was better. It's not just that one drive in Indianapolis, too. Like we saw it in practices a few weeks ago. Bajant started to outplay them, play him, them, if you want to include Nathan Peterman. Although I don't think he really got a chance for the backup, but Bajant was better. Yeah, and and I I appreciate when competitions are that uh, obvious to everyone else, and you just you make an obvious move that makes sense. It's kind of refreshing a little bit. Now, eventually, we can probably have a talk, and we probably will, about perhaps the downsides of having a rookie backup. But um, I think that'll be more for Thursday's show when we break down you know, the entire roster once the dust settles. Today's show is more about the NFC North, and I think it makes the most sense to start with the defending NFC North champions, the Minnesota Vikings, and Alec Lewis from The Athletic, who covers the Vikings. We talk to him now. All right, well, we will start this with the defending NFC North champions, the Minnesota Vikings, who, I don't know, talk to pretty much anyone in the world. They believe the Vikings will be worse this year just because of basically luck uh, and the lucky (laughs) season they had. I'm sure, Alec, that's pretty much been your talking point uh, or you've been battling through that. I don't know. I like this idea of the competitive rebuild they're doing. There's a lot of interesting things going on with the Vikings, but um, what I, I guess, what is your reaction to all that and this idea that, that the Vikings are going to be worse just because? Well, I think <clears throat> I agree with it in this sense. The record's going to be worse, but I actually think the team like could be better. Um, first, because... Ed Donatel was fired and they hired Brian Flores to be their defensive coordinator. And if you watched any kind of subset of games last year, the defense was um, as passive as one could get. They're now going to be the polar opposite of that. And then I think offensively, um, they've added some pieces in in, uh, a guy like Jordan Addison, first round pick, who I think they believe can separate in a way that Adam Thielen could not last year. So. I, I, I agree that the record, I mean, if they were to get even close, win even close to 13 games, I think people would call it a resounding success. But I would say even if they win nine games, I think the team in general might be a better team overall. My guy, Kirk Cousins. So <laughs> I'm curious, Alex. Your guy. My guy. Oh, he, he, well, now he's everybody's guy after the quarterback. So how Still is he now newfound superstar? <laughs> in all seriousness, though, but like, What's year two of Kirk Cousins and, and Kevin O'Connell going to look like? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you're right in that he has kind of blown up. And it's, it's, I think it's been such a weird thing. Like, I, I, there, was a, uh, there was a day in training camp where his wife was out there with their kids. And, like, people were coming up to his, his wife. I was just like, this is pretty silly that, like, people uh, know her as well as they do to be able to come up to her. But I, I think – um, Kurt, there's definitely been a different comfort with Kirk this entire training camp. And I think it showed up in a lot of different facets. I mean, I think 
obviously on the field and just his kind of command of the offense in year two with Kevin O'Connell. I think you can you can see that. But I think even I mean he's done some weird stuff. Like there was a mustache Monday that he that he started and then he said they turned it into a mustache week. I don't know. He wore one day he wore the jersey 66 to troll the punter who used to wear six like he's done some stuff that for a, a, a buddy of his told me he's like when Kirk starts doing that and kind of embracing the uh like goofy like he knows he's goofy and kind of like the the perception about him but when he starts doing that the buddy was like I think that's when Kirk's most comfortable and most himself and so I think um it should be kind of interesting just to see how that manifests on the field when the lights are bright when the pressure's on um does that translate I think I'm looking forward to 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 watching and analyzing a secondary question like did you find it I don't know if unique is the right way to put it, but it's the first year of Kevin O'Connell, and they were okay with their quarterback being, I guess, featured at length and depth. I mean, they did interviews, you know, with Netflix as well. What did you make of all that? Yeah, well, Kirk made it a point to say, if I'm going to do this, then I want it to be as non-invasive as possible, and I don't want people to know what was going on. Like, just full disclosure, like, I had no idea that was happening in the moment. And some of the other players in the locker room, like Eric Kendricks, I remember saying like, oh, I didn't even know that was happening. So a lot of the filming was done by like NFL films, people wearing NFL films. So you didn't really know what was going on. And I think that was important to Kirk. I think the two things for him was I don't want it to look like I'm grandstanding to to help my image. And I think he also uh, didn't want (laughs) – I think he didn't want like the the Kevin O'Connell and people to feel like that as well. So I think those those were two, and I think he wanted editorial um, rights on it. I think that was yeah. another big thing for him. So yeah, it's it's uh, it wasn't a big deal, and I think Kevin speaking about Kurt. I mean that's that's how Kevin's handled Kirk in general. Like Kevin has been optimistic. He's been he wants to come behind his guys, and I think that's some a theme that you you've seen from the get-go since he got hired. That's interesting. That Because that kind of confirmed. Justin Fields already turned it down for this season, but the argument we were making after watching that show was like, I didn't think it was that invasive. If you like look at the, a lot of the stuff's filmed at home and outside the building and the stuff that's like in game, they're filming anyway for all teams when NFL Films is there. So it's that, I don't know, that, that's interesting. It kind of confirms what I thought. Um, Let's talk about this offense, though, because, like, okay, for all the the jabs I take at Kirk Cousins, I mean, he can spread the ball around and get it in the right hands of his playmakers. There's no question about that. And Justin Jefferson's still on this team. I Jordan Addison, the thinking there of swapping Thielen out for Addison is uh, completely logical and makes a lot of sense uh, from a speed and separation standpoint. Obviously, TJ Hawkinson comes over in the middle of last season, and that, that seemingly really opened up the offense. These guys should be pretty good, right? Where's the weakness? Yeah, I think it's going to be the interior of the offensive line. Can that group, Garrett Bradbury at center, Ezra Cleveland at left guard, Ed Ingram at right right guard, can those three make an improvement from last year? And I think the Vikings are, are, are optimistic that can happen, but they're also <clears> – <throat> I think they have other plans to be able to help that group, and that's why they went out and signed a Josh Oliver at tight end who is this – 270 pound looks like an edge rusher type who I think is going to be blocking guys on the edge. And then I think they're going to use fullback CJ Ham a lot, insert him in certain blocks on passing downs. I think 
Um, he'll play a big role in the run game. But I think that's – I'll start with the interior offensive line, and then it's going to be about running efficiency. I mean, they were the worst team in terms of negative rushes last year, and I think that the staff looked at that, and they're like, we can't – we can't put Kirk Cousins in third and eight consistently. We can't force the, the the go ball to Justin Jefferson and rely on that at all times. So improved efficiency in the run game, I think, has been a priority. And I, 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 I how that jives with losing Dal- Dalvin Cook, it's it's like a fascinating thing. But I still think they're optimistic that they can improve the rushing efficiency with scheme um, and improve blocking. Beyond. Well, their own expertise. Where, where do you see maybe the biggest difference going from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell? Because for as long as we do, we've been doing this podcast, Adam, it's been Mike Zimmer, and then Kevin O'Connell comes in. So, Alec, where have you seen maybe the notable differences, or, or maybe even some similarities between the two? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think many similarities. I think the biggest <laughs> thing is is just confidence and comfort, um, just inside the building. Like, I, I just think from a culture standpoint, I know it's like the most, I don't know, coach cliche thing probably to, to say culture. But I, I generally believe that the players feel more comfortable and more confident and um, it's allowed them to, to, to be a little more free. Like, I think about it a lot with the defense um, this training camp. It's like some of these guys who, who aren't that proven, like a, a Josh Metellus. I mean, the amount of confidence these guys have to go play and play fast, I think a lot of that comes from Kevin O'Connell. And then I mentioned how he's worked with Kirk Cousins, but I think that's a big piece. I think he has been just very – Kevin has been very intentional with how he talks about Kirk, with how he reviews things with Kirk, with with the time they spend together. And I think um, that's just something wholeheartedly different from, from what was happening here with Mike Zimmer. I want to ask real quick about the defense um, because it obviously wasn't great last year with our old friend Ed Donatel. <laughs> and a um, couple of interesting things here because to, to change schemes so dramatically two years in a row never seems like a great thing. Um, but maybe they're going backwards to get back going forwards, uh, you know, because a lot of these players are still the same. However, there's also a lot of really young players here, too. I got a lot of respect for Brian Flores. I think he's a great hire. I kind of view this as almost when Vic Fangio got to Chicago with a young defense that wasn't necessarily, you know, anywhere near one of the most talented units in the league, but the coaching kind of got them to be respectful. I mean, what's the expectations here for this defensive unit to just kind of hold down the fort a little bit while the Vikings try to score enough points with their, with their good offense. Yeah. I'll start with the scheme part that you mentioned. I mean, I think in some way they are going back to more of a Mike Zimmer type, which I think fits like a Daniel Hunter, like a Harrison Smith. I think that that scheme probably fits those guys a little better. I think it fits some of their cornerbacks better just to be able to go play man. But the way I think about it is like week Martindale last year with the giants where it is just, maximum chaos and is it going to work at all times like probably not I mean you're you're playing with fire and sometimes you're going to be in the fire I'm sure with how they they put some of these cornerbacks on an island but I think um the way they have viewed it is if we I mean we're not with the with the experience and the talent we have on defense we're not going to be able to run these exotic schemes where these cornerbacks have to know rules and and 
linebackers have to pass off routes. I think it's let's go just roll it out there and you guys just go play fast and we'll throw some some curveballs at, at quarterbacks and that's going to be their approach. But I think it all kind of comes down to like Kevin O'Connell wanted his defense to affect the quarterback. And initially Ed Donatel was going to do that with kind of disguise and changing picture after pre-snap, post-snap. Brian Flores, I think it's just going to be like affect the quarterback by throwing the gauntlet at him. Um, and so I think that's what the Vikings will do. And I'm sure at times it will definitely burn some corners that are really, really young. Alec, thank you so much. Um, last one for you. We, we talk at length about Justin Fields, DJ Moore, everything Bears, right? When you look at the Bears, like, what do you see? Like, you know, like, I, I'm curious, just, you know, from a, a division, from someone who covers a division rival, like, what's your viewpoint of the Bears right now? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm from Alabama originally, so my Justin Fields thing goes back to the college football playoff and the, the game that. I mean, I, I think it was one of the most impressive, like, tough performances I've seen. And then I another play that's seared into my head is I think last year at U.S. Bank Stadium, Justin Fields took off for, like, 65 yards. I think it might have been called back, but just the dy- dynamic, like, running ability at this level was just, it was just crazy. I think overall – um, I, I'm just, they've chosen such a different team building route than what the Vikings have. I mean, Adam, you mentioned earlier, the competitive rebuild approach that the Vikings have taken where they want to win, but they also want to reset things. The bears have obviously chosen a semi different route. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm really interested to see how it plays out this year and how the team building approaches look down the road when they've kind of whatever their crescendo um so i think it's 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 really interesting i think people here probably are lower on them but i i i I think they've added some pieces defensively that i'm just looking forward to seeing and and i want to see justin fields in a long kind of stretch of play where he could just go do his thing so i don't know it it, i i have a lot of respect for what he's done as a player what he did that night in college it's just seared into my mind have you uh, decided one way or the other who's going to win this division? You know, I, I, I'd probably lean Detroit at the moment. Um, I just think offensively, not not just the personnel, but I, I, I really think Ben Johnson knows what he's doing as an offensive coordinator. Um, and and I, so that's probably where I'd go. But I'd say their defense does scare me a little bit. And then the Packers, we shall see. But I think the Vikings – um, look at the division and part of the reason they they've opted with the competitive rebuild and I think feel comfortable with it is they think the division's going to be up for grabs even if you're not really maximum uh talent so um we'll see but um yeah it's it's fascinating well uh it should be up for grabs and it'll be fun to follow along make sure you're following Alec at Alec underscore Lewis on Twitter all of his Vikings coverage up on the athletic Good luck out at the uh, Minnesota State <laughs> Fair. Say hi to Paul Allen for me. I will. That's who I'm going. That's who I'm going to talk to. Which means I'm going to be. I mean, it's it's at the State Fair with PA. You just have probably have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just good luck. Be craziness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. See you, man. Thanks, Alec. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box 
watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right. From Minneapolis, we go over to Green Bay and our friend Matt Schneidman joining the podcast once again. What's going on, Matt? Boys, you know it's football season when I'm on Hogan John's. It's time. It is. Let's time. talk about Jordan Love. <laughs> Who? But <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is still isn't here. What? It, it would be wrong if we did not ask you the age-old question on this show. But is Jordan Love bad? <laughs> um, I guess the official journalistic answer is we don't know yet. But I certainly saw more good than bad from him by a significant margin in camp. Now there were definitely some mistakes. The deep ball still needs to get ironed out. That was too inconsistent, got better as camp went along, but the kid looks the part, you know, the Packers ran two triple options in practice the other day with Jordan love and, you know, fake dives to AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones. And then, you know, Jordan love goes in motion I don't even know if it's called in motion. I don't even know how to describe it since the Packers never run triple options around here. But Matt LaFleur has strongly pushed back against the idea that we're finally going to see his true offense without Aaron Rodgers here to have so much influence on it. And then Mark Murphy, God bless his soul, gets up to the podium on the first day of training camp and says, I think this year we're going to see some more of Matt's true offense. Like, just put Mark Murphy in front of a microphone if you want the truth about the Packers. And... I think Jordan Love is is the right guy to do what Matt LaFleur needs him to do. The Packers don't need him to be spectacular. They just need him to not lose them games. I think they have enough talent around Jordan that if he's slightly above average, they can still contend here in the division. Now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, Matt, like what was it like covering the Aaron Rodgers list Packers for OTAs, training camp, now, now the preseason too? Like what was... What's gone? Like that—that that is a superstar Hall of Famer. Like, how can you encapsulate everything that is now gone from the Packers? Well, one, um, with all due respect to Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers is a reporter's dream to cover because he just—I mean, I love McAfee, but I'm not saying like you know an hour and a half every Tuesday, you know, watching all that, and every time he makes a comment about COVID, having to be worried about everything he does and says. Not having to do all that all the time is nice, but you know, in terms of someone who would just sit there and shoot the stuff with you after his Wednesday pressers and you know give really insightful answers and be really interesting, doesn't get better than Aaron Rodgers from people you know 
like yourselves that I've talked to around the league, but the biggest change is just like, it's cliche, but like the vibe change, this is a completely different team. And as reporters, as you guys know, we want to cover like the unknown, the intriguing and the past couple of years, the question has been, are they going to win the Super Bowl? This year, it's are they going to be any good? They're, they have two first-year tight ends. They have a bunch of young receivers, a new starting quarterback. Like It's just interesting, and, and there's way more storylines. And Jordan Love's an, a nice guy, it seems, but it, he hasn't really come out of his, his shell yet. But I think the, just the storyline of can the Packers do it again and find another you know long-term starting quarterback, not even a Hall of Famer, but a long-term starting quarterback is enough intrigue for me to be like, okay, let's go. Let, let's let's uh, make things interesting around here. Yeah, what are the fair expectations for Jordan Love? Like, so, so let's say he's not bad. Like, let's say he turned I, – I, I still, and I've made this point many times on this show, like, I feel like if they were totally in love with their pick after one year, things would have played out differently the last few years. But it's possible that he's developed. He was under Aaron Rodgers. We've been seeing on Hard Knocks how he's – you know, dealing with Zach Wilson and it's super interesting. And um, so, so let's say he's gotten better, but still like, what's the ceiling there? And is there a scenario where that almost like makes things tougher on the Packers? Like if he's just sort of okay, right? Like would it almost be better if he's just like bad and they can figure that out. And then all of a sudden they're in the Caleb Williams conversation. I'm sure they would love Caleb Williams, but I don't think they're going to be that bad. Listen, Aaron has said multiple times that he thinks the Packers intended to move on from him. I think he said after one or two years after they drafted Jordan Love, but him winning back-to-back MVPs threw a wrench in it because you can't trade an MVP or a back-to-back MVP no matter what your initial timeline to move on from him was. Now, the Packers didn't exercise Jordan Love's fifth-year option, so they don't have to guarantee him around $20 million next season because what if he stinks this season? Then you're on the hook for that. So they extended him for one year instead, guaranteeing him, I believe it was about $13 million that was reported up front for this year, but they're just on the hook for less in the long term. So uh, he gets a nice you know, bonus incentive, whatever you want to call it, to, to play well this year. And it's kind of a two-year trial period. So they're going to find out probably about eight games into this season whether he's up for it or not. And guess what? It may take longer than that. But we're in the business of making snap decisions, and the Packers probably can't afford to wait you know, three years to figure out if he's the guy. Uh, hold on. I just got a text about a guy getting cut. Let me tweet this. It's not a big one. but uh, Matt Schefter here right in the middle of the podcast. This is big. Not really. <laughs> I don't know if this one will move the needle. Oh, man. Now my eyes are glued to Twitter. I want to know who this is. Yep, let's pull it up. I'm... <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I want to worry about it. It's cut down. Um, but back to, my, back to my answer. I think Jordan Love would have been the starter here a couple years ago if Aaron hadn't won back-to-back MVPs, Um, but he's here, and it could take a little while. Everyone's going to be impatient because they want to know right now. It's already been three years. If he's not ready now, when is he going to be ready? But I remember talking to Brian Gutekunst 
uh, earlier this offseason for a story I did on kind of the breakup between Rodgers and the Packers. And I, I asked him specifically about Jordan Love, not not about, you know, the Rodgers stuff. And he said, you know, you won't really know till you're thrown in the fire. Aaron said the same thing when I asked him earlier this offseason about Jordan. He was like, I remember when I got 50 texts in the summer of 08. I woke up in Southern California and people told me Brett was finally gone. And, and I didn't know if I could handle all this until I was thrown into the fire. So it's a cop-out answer, but who knows how long it's going to take for the Packers to get a firm grasp on who this kid is. Maybe it's just week one. Maybe he goes out there, throws six touchdowns against the Bears, and they just extend him right there. Oh, that would go over well here. Well, that would, <laughs> I'm not sure Chicago would, would exist <laughs> anymore. Oh. That, 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 would, that would not go well. That, that'd be like worse than the 2019 opener. I'm driving. I'm just doing the the day trip. Um, you know, driving down morning of, driving back after the game. And regardless of what happens, specifically if the Packers win, since we'll be in the Chicago area, I just can't wait for you know sports talk radio. As a member of sports talk radio <laughs> myself now, I cannot wait for how lit up either of these cities' airwaves are, depending on what happens. <laughs> All right, so beyond Jordan Love, you mentioned getting to cover like all these other storylines. And this is new for us, too. We always bring up the quarterbacks on this podcast with you. Like, So what else is going on with the Packers? Take us through it all. Yeah, there, there are a couple intriguing things. And I'm going to start with maybe the thing that people find the least amount of interest in is special teams. So they signed Rich. Oh, no, you just made Adam Hogue's day, but go on. <laughs> so... Rich Bisaccia comes over after he doesn't get the full-time job with the Raiders. And I'm guessing he's the highest paid special teams coordinator in the league. I don't know that. Uh, that's just a guess. But the Packers special teams had been absolutely horrific. It was right after they had that blocked punt in the divisional round against the 49ers. They had 10 guys on the field to defend Robbie Gould's game-winning field goal. They were like, all right, we need to start taking special teams seriously. Rich Passaccia brings in Dallin Levitt, his core special teamer from the Raiders, Keyshawn Nixon, who is the first-team All-Pro kick returner last year, and, and a bunch of guys who play special teams but can also play defense instead of guys that, oh, it's a linebacker, let's just throw him on special teams. So Mason Crosby had been the Packers kicker for the last 16 years. Kicked well last year. He went 25 for 29. Lost a little bit of juice in his leg uh, in terms of long kicks and, I mean, long field goals and kickoffs, but... Um, you know, still accurate. And then Pat O'Donnell, who you guys know well, punted well, you know, reliable holder in these conditions, good directional punter. Now they have a kicker and punter who have never played in an NFL game, either of them. So Rich Bisacci is going to earn his money. Anders Carlson, a 24, 25-year-old rookie out of Auburn, um, who's the younger brother of Daniel Carlson from the Raiders, who made first-team All-Pro last year. The kid is wildly up and down. Like, He'll have one amazing day who, when you go like, oh, this kid could be the best kicker in the league. He has an unbelievable leg, you know, hit from 57 in the game the other day with ease. But then the next day he'll miss four kicks in a PAT. Like they need to, that's a worry going into the season. And then at punter, uh, they released O'Donnell yesterday, which was a surprise to me. And they're going with Daniel Whelan, who is an XFL punter who hasn't even been punting that long. He's an Irish guy, has an absolute cannon, but, you know, struggles kind of, directionally which is what pat was good at on defense it's the same thing they have pretty much the same guys you know eight first round picks now instead of seven but the big difference is Rashawn gary is healthy um you know one of my most telling stats from last season was 
The Packers ranked second in pressure percentage the first nine games of the season behind the Cowboys. You know, percentage of pass rush snaps resulting in a pressure. Second half of the season after Gary tore his ACL in week nine, they ranked 28th. So a drop off of 26 spots. On offense, I have no idea what to expect. The offensive lines, the same, can be really good. You know, a top three unit. They have one of the best running back tandems in Jones and Dylan, but they're so new and inexperienced at wide receiver, tight end with two rookies in Jordan Love that it's one of the most intriguing storylines in the NFL. Like, what are the Packers going to be on offense? We asked this to Alec, um, and I'm curious for your thoughts. For, for someone who's covering a quarterback change, and we're used to quarterback changes here in Chicago, um, what do you think of the Bears? How, how do you see the NFC North playing out? Do you think it's as wide open as we do? So, like, you're up in Green Bay. You know what they talk about. Like, how does everyone view the Bears? Well, how do you and maybe even the Packers view the Bears right now? Well, I think how I view the Bears is different than how Packer fans view the Bears because they just think they're the worst franchise of all time. Listen, I, I think the Bears on paper, which only means so much, are probably still the weakest team in the division, but they definitely closed the gap this offseason. And listen, with DJ Moore, I think that could surprise some people, kind of injecting some life into this offense. And, you know, if Justin Fields takes that next jump, I think the Bears could be right in the mix. I think this is the second weakest division in football. Well, the NFC West isn't very good this year, and the Cardinals are like a JV team. But uh, South's pretty bad, too. I, I think the AFC... South and the NFC North. Well, yeah, the NFC South. There's a lot of bad divisions yeah. in football, is what basically I'm the whole NFC. It's like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think it's a particularly strong division, just taking it by itself. And I think the Vikings are probably still the best roster with the Packers second. I'm not buying all the Lions hype of, okay, they finished last season on a, a strong winning streak. Now they're going to win the division. Like, the, the Vikings are probably going to come back down to earth after all those one-score wins. The Packers are probably somewhere in the middle, um, although I think they could. They don't play a team that made the playoffs last year till week eight, so it's a favorable schedule. The Lions are probably right around where they finished last year, and then the Bears are on the up, I think, which is not hard to do when you're the worst team in the league. So I still think the Bears are probably the weakest team in the division, but I could very well be wrong. Well. The Bears are one and a half point favorites still in week one. Although I think really? it, was, it was two and a half. And so it is coming back to the middle a little bit. But yeah, they're favored uh, technically against the Packers, at least as of right now. Um, I know that. Do you have a pick for the North yet? Or are you leaning one way or the other? Yeah, I picked the Vikings earlier in the offseason, and I'll stick with that. I think I, I've said all along, I think the Packers go 10 and seven. Um, I think Jordan Love's going to be above average, not not a world beater. But I think the Packers have enough around him specifically, and I know this is a huge if, if the offensive line stays healthy. You know, the last time David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were healthy together, consistently playing well, they were both Pro Bowl starters in 2020. They are both healthy and playing well together again. Um, well, I don't know if David Bakhtiari is playing well. He hasn't played in the preseason. But I'll go Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears. Interesting. Lions third. All right. Matt, we appreciate it. Great stuff as always. Um, and, and he's off the hook for next week. Can't have him back to back weeks. He's a busy man. Well, we we could, but yeah, we probably Maybe. shouldn't. We should. <laughs> I have time for Hogan Guns any day of the week. 
This guy's out here well, breaking. Well, he's now he's Gene, We did it. No, he's yeah, we did it. But he's out here breaking Gene Delance uh, news in the middle of our podcast while he's on with us. This is what Matt Steiben brings you. Former Bear, by the way, that probably no one remembers. Gene Delance released, waived by the Packers. Would he count? Would he count on the immaculate grid, or did he not play a snap for the Bears? Uh, I don't think he would count. No, he never played a snap. I think he got cut before. I think he was like final cuts Got last it. year. So, Matt, well, thank you. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Thanks, Matt. All right, we covered the Vikings. We covered the Packers. We now go east to Detroit. Colton Pouncey, who covers the Lions, the future Super Bowl champion, <laughs> Detroit Lions, if you believe the hype. What's up, Colton? What's going on, guys? Yeah, Lions fans have definitely talked themselves into that already, so not wrong there. <laughs> well, how's the, like, are you buying the hype? Like, how is the team handling the, well, the hype about, you know, everybody likes the, the Lions this year, man. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a good job internally handling expectations. You know, at the end of the day, they're like, sorry, we didn't make the playoffs <laughs> last year. <laughs> they're good. Like, we didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, you know, we went nine and eight. We started off one and six. That wasn't good enough. So we understand that while the hype is nice, we still have, you know, to put in the work to get to where we want to go. Um, for me, I'm looking at the team. And even when they were one and six, my whole thought process was, all right, this is a rebuild, right? It's going to take some time to kind of get these young players in here that they drafted going to take time for those guys to develop, had some unfortunate injuries last year. So when they win their second half run, it wasn't really, you know, it was a bit of a surprise. They went eight and two, but I thought the wins would eventually come um, just because those young dudes were finally kind of getting their feet wet in the league. Um, like Aiden Hutchinson, Kirby Joseph, the safety, um, you know, James Houston, Malcolm Rodriguez, some of these players that uh, they drafted last year were finally starting to break through in the second half. So um, in terms of the way they finished, I think that's sort of the progress that you wanted to see. And, what they did this offseason with, you know, some rookies that they brought in, you know, Jack Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, um, what they did in free agency with some of the pieces in the secondary, which was probably their biggest weak, uh, weakness defensively. I'm looking at the team now. I'm saying, all right, based on what you did last year, the new pieces you have coming in, I can see why there's some hype about the team and um, why people think that they can win the NFC North. Yeah, I I, I get it. And I, I like what overall I I liked what they were doing last year. I like, you know, other than maybe using a first round pick on a running back. I like, you know, I like the old school draft though a little bit. I yeah, be honest. And, and running backs the, and linebackers, man. And Dan Campbell is old school, so it's it's fun, it's entertaining. I get all that, and they did fill some some pieces on defense. I just still, you look at the roster as a whole, and it's like, come on, they're not quite there yet. Um, you know, to to actually win a Super Bowl. And I got to be honest, if we're going to put so much stock in the end of the season and that nice run they went on, Colton, why is everybody ignoring that game in Carolina? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean, doesn't that still count? Lions fans still have nightmares about that. Like, I think they rushed <laughs> for what, 320 yards, which was just insane. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a spot that you're kind of looking at. If, if you are looking for reasons for, you know, pessimism, which a lot of people aren't doing right now and here in Detroit, like that would be one. Um, the rushing defense, but you know, maybe that's why they brought a guy like Jack Campbell. He's pretty good against the run. Um, the guy, third round pick Roderick Martin, who's like a big nose tackle. He's like six, five, three thirty. Um, he'll probably be a reserve guy at start. Maybe he can help fill some of those issues in the, with the gaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it, you just have to see it, right? Like there, there are reasons for optimism, but they have to go out and prove it. And they do have a young team still. So if they are going to maybe, you know, break through those guys have to be ready. And if they're not, I could see this being another, you know, nine and eight season. 
where is David Montgomery maybe fitting in? We, we've talked a lot about the, the Bears' run game here being, being a strength again, and David Montgomery is not here. And it, it was just it was, as we just mentioned, you know, the Lions drafted a running back with their with their first pick. So, how's that run game sorting out for the Lions? Yeah, I think there's room in this offense for you know two effective running backs, two really effective running backs. And I look at Gibbs and uh, and Montgomery as players that really complement each other well. Um, you know, in my mind, I kind of view it as Gibbs is sort of the Swift upgrade replacement, however you want to call it. Um, you know, Swift was entering the last year of his rookie deal, couldn't really rely on him to stay healthy. Um, Gibbs is a younger, faster version of him, and he can still do all the same things um, in the passing game. I look at Montgomery as an upgrade over Jamal Williams. A lot of people like to look at Jamal Williams, 17 rushing touchdowns, but I believe 13 of those came like inside the two. Um, so it was really, to me, more of a product of the Lions offense, just getting down the field and just giving him the ball there rather than, you know, the, Jamal being this sort of dynamic player. He's really good number two back, but he's not really a lead dynamic player like that. So Montgomery, I'm not saying he's the top back in the league, but I think he has more ability than Jamal Williams. I think he can you know break tackles in the second level can do some stuff in the passing game for you. Um, and, you know, he's a younger version of Jamal. So that's I think that was sort of the idea. They they have this offensive line that they've invested a lot of first-round picks in, a lot of money in. They want to get the most out of that unit while they have those guys in place. So, you know, the Lions run the ball a ton. Uh, that's sort of their bread and butter. So having two backs like that is, you know, sort of what they wanted in place. Lions have certainly uh, seemingly found something here with Ben Johnson and, and, uh, and Jared Goff. Um, what is the, I guess, what's the long-term view on Jared Goff in Detroit? Like what's, what's the plan here? And is there any thought in the back of anyone's mind there in Detroit right now that if, if this thing does go off the rails and it's, you know, unexpectedly and not a great year or they regress, is it because of the quarterback? Because like, I thought Jared Goff was great last year and, but, I, I can't help but have in the back of my mind, well, like, is he really going to repeat it? Is he is he going to be able to do it again for the, you know, and repeat those same numbers? Yeah, you know, Brad Holmes said that he never viewed Jared Goff as sort of the, a bridge quarterback. He drafted him. He's part of a team that drafted him in L.A., um, traded for him, and he's a guy that he actually believes in, contrary to popular, popular belief. Um, but Goff, I still think he has some things to prove. Like he bounced back last year in a great way, made a Pro Bowl, you know, passed for 4,000 4, yards, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. It was a great year. Um, but there are some questions, you know, how much of that was Ben Johnson? What happens if Ben Johnson leaves and gets a head coaching gig? Um, can you kind of continue that success without Johnson in place? And, um, you know, that's a question I think we're still figuring out. I like golf. I think he's a good quarterback for a team like this that just hasn't won a playoff game in 30 plus years. Just having a guy like that who's been around, been in Super Bowl, you know, that can help you, especially for a young team. Um, now, you might have questions later on whether he can be that guy that can actually win one. But for now, I think they're in a really good place with him. Um, so that's probably a question for the future. But they did draft Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, in the third round, I think the injury kind of bumped him down a little bit. He probably would have been drafted a little bit higher. Um, you know, maybe he's the quarterback of the future. We still don't really know because he hasn't even practiced yet. But um, in terms of golf, you know, I don't know. Maybe they go like a short-term deal. They've, you know, Brad Holmes said that internally they've kind of addressed, um, had conversations about contract extensions, but um, nothing that's been presented to golf yet. So maybe they try to work out a short-term deal that gives them a chance to kind of, you know, continue evaluating him um, while giving him some money. So, 
you know, we'll see what the future looks like with golf. But right now, they're in a good place. I want to ask you about the defense. You have Aiden Hutchinson. You just drafted Jack Campbell. The Lions just drafted Jack Campbell. But let's start with this. What does John Fox exactly do for the Lions on defense? <laughs> I'm not exactly I'm only sure. Partially kidding. Only partially kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Old no, friend John there. Fox, you know, friend of the show, John Fox. It's so funny because, <laughs> like, funny. in training camp, I'll look around and be like, oh, yeah, John Fox is here. <laughs> um, but, no, he's involved, and, you know, they, they brought him in here for a reason. They, they trust his mind, and, you know, he's still active and running around out there, so uh, that's, that's good for them. But, um, yeah, they've got this this defense, man, that they're trying to get get going in the right direction. Um, you know, they finished, you know, close to the bottom bottom of the league in yards and points allowed last year. Um, that's been like a constant theme so far in the Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn era. And um, for me, looking at it, it was sort of they never had the pieces to do what they want to do. Um, the key to Aaron Glenn's defense is really the secondary, and they just haven't had, you know, again, the pieces. Like Jeff Akuda drafted him, um, you know, the previous regime dra- drafted him. He wasn't really an Aaron Glenn type of cornerback. Um, you know, some of the other pieces in the secondary either banged up or no longer on the team, honestly. So they really revamped that position this offseason. Um, brought in C.J. Gardner-Johnson, um, drafted Brian Branch. He's probably going to start at nickel for this team, like in week one against the Chiefs. Um, Cam Sutton on the outside at cornerback. So they've made some moves here to kind of address that position and kind of get the defense on track. But, um, again, it's one of those things that you kind of have to see it before you start believing it. Uh, John's. I think we know exactly what what John Fox is doing in Detroit. You know, I'm not an office coordinator. I'm not a defense coordinator. I'm not a special teams coordinator. But I coordinate all three. He's doing everything. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of everything. <laughs> um, all right. So where are you, Colton? I guess on. I don't know if you've made a, a record prediction or or what you think the ceiling. Uh, maybe give us a best case and worst case scenario for this Detroit Lions team based on what, what you've seen throughout the preseason? Yeah, best case is that the offense doesn't really regress, um, that the pieces they brought in helped them you know, continue on their trajectory as a top-five scoring offense. Um, the young guys are more dynamic, like Sam LaPorte. I think he's going to come in and you know, really help them as a tight end. I know with, with rookie tight ends, you never know, but he's looked really sharp. Uh, Jameer Gibbs looks pretty good out there, um, and Montgomery looks good. So – Best case scenario, the offense, you know, continues humming here. The defense figures some things out. Maybe they get to, you know, middle of the pack instead of, you know, bottom of the league. And that's a playoff team, in my opinion. Um, I think I had them at, I want to say 11 and six. That would be a two, two win improvement, two game improvement there. I don't think that's too drastic. A lot of people had them at like Lions fans are talking themselves in like 13 and four. I don't really see that, but I guess that you could call that a best case scenario in their mind, but I'm not, I'm a little bit more pessimistic there, but, uh, yeah, I think eleven and six is probably realistic. We had and worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Uh, defense still looks like the defense of last year. Um, the rookies aren't ready to go, and you probably take a step back. Maybe you go eight and nine or nine and eight again. We had Alec Lewis and Matt Schneiderman on the show earlier, and um, we had this question for him: like, you're covering everything Lions. We're covering everything Bears here. How do you, as the Lions expert, like, how, how do you view the Bears? Like, how do not forget the fans, but like, maybe how do the Lions themselves as a franchise? How do they view where the Bears at? Like, what would concern the Lions about the Bears? Um, you know, Justin Fields certainly. Um, the, this defense has not been able to handle you know mobile quarterbacks at all. Uh, we saw that last year in some of those games. Um, so just having him in place 
probably strikes fear into the Lions. Um, in terms of how I view the Bears, I think they'll be you know much improved. I like some of the moves they made. I like their draft a lot. Um, so if they can you know double their win total there, get to six, seven wins, I think that's a solid improvement. Whether Bears fans like that or not, I think that's you know that's sort of the progress you want to see. That's what I thought the Lions would be last year, going from three thirteen and one uh, to a six seven win team. That's a step in the right direction, but they end up doing a little bit more. So maybe the Bears can do the same thing. Um, some of these pieces come along and. You know, the NFC North is kind of there for the taking. There's really no king of this division right now. So it's, it's wide open. Um, if the Bears show improvement, you know, they can be a little bit more competitive than people think, I think. So are the Lions your pick to win the North? They are, but I have it being very close. I think I had the Lions at 11-6, Vikings at like 10-7, and seven, Packers at either 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, and then kind of the Bears right there. All right. Was that a clean Yeah, wide open. Johns did it. Oh, no, uh, Matt went with the Vikings. Okay. Yeah, Matt went with Vi- So Al- Alec had Lions. Colton has Lions. Matt went with the Vikings. Interesting. So, there you go. It, I think it's going to be a fun division. I, I do. I mean, there's not going to be any runaway teams, but it's going to be – I think a lot of these NFC North games are going to be a lot of fun to watch this year and be, uh, be nail biters. So, Colton, we appreciate you jumping on with us today. Really appreciate it, and I uh, hope everybody – is already following you. If not, they should be at Colton underscore Pouncy to get the uh, coverage from the Detroit Lions within the within the division all season long. Thanks, Colton. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Colton. Right. All right, Johns. Any takeaways? It seems like everybody, everyone yeah. thinks the Bears will be better, but no one's going like, "Hey, surprise, surprise!" The Bears are really in the mix to win the division. Well, I think everybody, at least that we had on the show, um, would confirm at least our feelings that it could be wide open. I don't think we're, you or I are picking the Bears to win the division. I think they'll they'll compete better in the division as opposed to last year, and that's just more than Aaron Rodgers leaving it. I think they've improved their roster to a point where they will be in more games just overall. Playoff berth, I don't know, but they'll compete – with their with their division rivals, I think we can all agree on that. I think we heard Matt, Alec, and Colton all say that as well. I um, I just have this sneaky suspicion that, and maybe it's just because like the West doesn't look that good, and 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 the uh, South looks pretty bad. But I think a few months into this season, we're going to actually be looking at the NFC North as a pretty competitive division. Because I just I think the floor with the Vikings is still relatively high. There's just too much talent on that offense. You got Justin Jefferson running around. You got something good. And same thing with the the Lions. Like they're they're just I think they're too well coached on the offensive side of the ball. So so like there's going to be some fun games. If I had to pick a team that might have the lowest floor. I think I would pick the Packers, actually. Like, in terms of... Because of the more unknowns of the quarterback. Yeah, I I think it goes back to what Matt said, which is you got all these young rookies or second-year wide receivers, right? You you have a rookie tight end. The kicking game looks like a mess right now. And maybe they'll figure it out, but it's, it's very concerning. Um... And I just don't know how long that defense is going to be able to 
like if Jordan Love is not good, that that's the one team that I I could see bottom out. I just think the floor is too high with with the Lions and the Vikings, and I just I, I don't know. You look at the schedule and the Bears; it just be, would be very very surprising if they're in the three four win range again. It just it just would be. Yeah, it would be. Um, well then, there's a whole load of different questions that will right. come after that, and. This podcast isn't ready to go down that road right now. Um, I think the surprising thing would be if one of the teams in the NFC North runs away with it. Whatever team it is. Like, mm-hmm. flat out runs away with it. 13, 14 wins. Like, clear champion. Cl- clearly better than everybody else within the division. One of the top teams in, in the NFC North. Um, that would surprise me. Maybe there's some fluky things where it happens like, the, like the Vikings did, but I don't think anybody viewed the Lions as one of the top teams like in the league last year. Good team, but not one of the top teams. So that would surprise me if there's like a runaway winner within this division. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. Kind of catch up. Uh, we spent so much time zeroed in on the Bears during training camp that you gotta you get to this point where you got a week and a half till the season starts. You want to zoom back out and catch up on everything else that's going on around the league, especially within the NFC North. So hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, this episode and make sure you're following all of those writers throughout the season. Alec Lewis, Matt Schneidman, Colton Pouncey, we really really appreciate them and their coverage. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from all of them uh, again. Matt will be on again. I don't know if it'll be next week or maybe it will, but uh, (laughs) could be. Matt's always we here. technically Matt. did book him during the show again for the repeat visit. So we did, we did. So um, yeah, it's Bears Packers week already next week. Crazy. All right. Well, while uh, everybody enjoys this, I'm sure cut downs are happening and uh, maybe a trade or two as well. So what? Again, reminder: 53 man roster today, Tuesday as we record this. Then you go through 24 hours of waivers. Things change, more trades, whatever. I think by Thursday morning when we reconvene, we'll have a better idea of what that real 53-man roster looks like when the dust settles. So we will be back Thursday to break all of that down uh, with you. And I think we're going to go live Thursday too since we didn't do that for this Tuesday episode. Um, So you have that to look forward to. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. All the merch is up on ObviousShirts.com. And uh, we appreciate everybody that's been buying our new stuff, new polos, um, new shirts. That, that's yeah. John's got the new shirt on. Uh, Obviousshirts.com for all of that. All right. Talk to you Thursday. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs>